welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing The Way Way Back, Finders Keepers, and Spontaneous. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. We did it, everyone. Girls 5 Eva, second season. Woo! So let's keep it up for the next season. Let's get that third, baby. <laughs> Dylan, in honor of summer vacay and things you do during summer break, mm-hmm. what would you say some of your favorite or most memorable experiences would be at a water park or swimming pool, anything of that nature? One of my happy memories uh, centered around water is whenever we would go to the beach as a family when I was a child and my parents would allow me to rent a boogie board. (laughs) So I always loved whenever I could just mess around on a boogie board in the ocean. And you can just boogie. Yeah. I was boogieing (laughs) down that beach until we finally bought our own because we're high class. And then I would boogie board in my pool to much smaller effect. (laughs) But... Still fun. I was boogieing alone in my pool, <laughs> trying to create waves and being like, woo. Where's Dylan? Oh, he's out there boogieing in the pool. <laughs> but maybe my most memorable time around water would be whenever I was younger, also in the ocean, just floating. I was on vacation with my mom in Florida, I believe, and just kind of swimming backwards in the ocean. And then, oh, what do I feel? Searing pain all of a sudden. And then I see the the tiniest little jellyfish just going, just moving away. And then I like rush to the shore and just kind of like had my lips trembling and be like, I got stung by a jellyfish. And then your mom peed on it. No, I think I think since it wasn't like a full grown jellyfish or anything, it just kind of left just a few lines on my belly, mm-hmm. just like a few red lines. And I think we just left it alone to my memory. But we have established on this <laughs> podcast many times, memory is not great. Yeah, it wasn't even a jellyfish. You just bumped up against the rock. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> No, the jellyfish is seared into my mind. Okay, okay. I was not ready for that jelly. Oh, no. (laughs) What about you? What kind of fun memories do you have? Well, as you know, I loathe summer. I have pure hatred for summer. (laughs) Yeah. And heat and the sun. But whenever I was a child, summer break was fun because I had all this energy and it was just fun being out of school and you're just basically high all summer because you're like, well, I'm free. And so it was just fun doing stuff. But I'd say as whenever I got to like teen age, the fun of being out of school and just doing stuff couldn't overpower like my hatred for the sun and the heat and the shame of my body. So I did less swimming in those activities. But whenever I was a kid, some of the best times at like water parks were probably just like the food and like funnel cakes and stuff. (laughs) That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> but there's this one thing that I remember. It's not like amazing or memorable. It's just really stupid, but it was fun. We used to go to this pool where we lived before we moved here. And it was at a KOA campground. So we had like a membership. My mom actually started people getting memberships to that pool that weren't camping there so that the lady could get more money because she was like, oh, okay. 
Wow. I mean, after it obviously runs in the family, because after that story last week about you making people slide down the slide on their jackets, your family's just starting trends. Oh, yeah. This lady wasn't like the warmest lady. She seemed to be pretty over children. I guess she didn't want to put up with any of that. So it was just a a specter of your future self. That you didn't know you just met as working a child. at a pool, yeah. <laughs> managing a campground. No, I don't hate kids, but it's just I can understand the whole like, please don't do that, please don't do that. <sighs> You're doing it. But we would go to this pool all the time, and I loved swimming. It was so much fun. They had like these public restrooms there at the place where you check in, and then there's like a shop where you can buy food and supplies and everything. And so they had restrooms in it around the corner. And I discovered that whenever you are swimming and then you get out of the pool and you got to go to the bathroom, you go over there and it's freezing cold in the restroom. Mm -hmm. And then I came back and I got in the pool and it was warm. And I thought this was an amazing discovery. So I told my brothers and whoever was with me, which would likely be my cousin or one of my friends, um, I told them so we would run into the bathroom, stay in there for a few minutes, and then run back and jump into the pool. And we kept doing that, and they all thought it was great too, and they all kept doing it. And the lady who ran the park, I think her name was Fran, not sure, she was like, what is going on here? Why do you keep doing this? I do not like this. And I think she made a rule like, stop like you can't go back and forth like that so many times or something like you can't run and jump into the pool I don't know she made some rule to make it where we had to sneak to do it <laughs> to get your little high from because <laughs> it's like ooh, it's like a warm bathtub even though it was like in the middle of summer yeah but I thought it was the most amazing thing and so I just kept doing that you've always just found little ways to get <laughs> your little highs without actually doing drugs three words for you treat yo so. It was fun times. That was also the pool that I threw up in. Oh. At one point. So you're that person. Yep. And my mom was like, just swim away for it. Don't worry. The pool will take it away. It'll take it into the little filter. And I was like, okay, cool. Your mom just didn't want to deal with it. Nope. <laughs> so yeah, I have a lot of weird stories and crazy stuff with water, but that's just like one of the dumb things that I remember <laughs> that was silly. I also thought it was super cool to make whirlpools mm-hmm. in the pool yeah. above ground. So I would do that a lot. That's how I got my boogie board going. Yeah. <laughs> so how has this week been? It's been pretty good. I watched a few uh, interesting things that I wanted to touch on really quickly. We watched Supernova together with Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. Much like the father that we talked about earlier this year. This film also deals with someone losing their mind to dementia or Alzheimer's. and But it takes a much different approach where the father took a personal thriller-esque approach to the crumbling of one's mind. This one takes more personal, like how it impacts a relationship uh, approach between these two men. And it's not as good as the father, but I do think both Colin Firth and especially Stanley Tucci deliver some really great performances and I quite enjoyed the movie. I thought it was very good. I think their performances are really good, both of them. Mm -hmm. But the movie was really slow for me and I couldn't get into it as much as the father. It's like I couldn't connect to the characters, I think, something like that. But their performances were pretty excellent. Yeah, it's a very sad and kind of understated movie. There's not a lot of big scenes between them. It's just very subtle, but it mostly worked for me. Like I said, it's not anywhere near 
near as good as The Father, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a solid movie. It's not just for their performances. Yeah. I love the Tooch. Yes. (laughs) Big fan of the Tooch over here because you're always talking about him (laughs) and you think he's handsome. Yeah. I first thought that he was handsome in Julie and Julia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, so I checked that out on the new Wolf video Blu-ray, so I would recommend that to anyone who's interested in the movie. I also checked out the, well, it'll be out by the time this is out, the upcoming Batman The Long Halloween Part 1, which is the first of a two-part adaptation of a classic Batman story where Batman and Commissioner Gordon and Harvey Dent are trying to track down the holiday killer. (laughs) There are people showing up dead around Gotham and who's doing it and didn't he might actually be a suspect himself so Mm. whoa whoa but this is one of the uh better dc animated films that i've seen recently i usually enjoy them pretty well but i thought this was a very strong film the second part comes out in august i believe so there won't be a long wait for me to figure out who actually did it but as a just a standalone portion of this story i thought it was very strong it had a lot of good mystery elements a lot of good character moments some good voice acting so anyone who enjoys the batman character in the dc animated films this is one of the better ones they've put out in a while it sounds interesting i'd probably like to watch it for halloween you'll have the complete story by then i know so we're all good and then finally i wanted to talk about this older western that i got from paramount as part of their paramount presents collection called last train from gun hill it's directed by john sturgis and it stars kirk douglas and anthony quinn and westerns can be the same a lot of times i know you need a special one to be invested Mm -hmm. jessica in case anyone was wondering you're talking to me the person (laughs) sitting across from you i just like to uh throw in your name there and just freak you out (laughs) yeah huh (laughs) Jessica, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to this laptop over here. Um, But it is a kind of darker-edged film. It's a pretty simple premise. It's about a sheriff who is married to a Native American woman who gets raped and killed by this young man who happens to be the son of this old friend of his who he hasn't seen in a long time, who's kind of a big mob boss, but in the Old West, of this town called Gun Hill. So it's about Kirk Douglas, who's the sheriff, going to gun hill to track down who killed his wife and the conflict between knowing this guy from the past and being an old friend and wanting to get justice for his wife and how this imposing figure in the community wants to ensure that no harm comes to his son even though his son's an asshole and did this horrible stuff it's very tense and very well directed i thoroughly enjoyed it it was a lot better than i thought it was going to be Anyone who's a fan of older westerns, but the really good ones, uh, <laughs> this is one of the really good ones, I would say. But it's no the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, I don't know. We're supposed to watch that soon, so. Our tombstone. I'll be a Huckleberry. <laughs> I haven't seen either of these movies, so I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, we need to get you educated on your classic western tales. <laughs> you need to know what's in the zeitgeist. You need to know what the young people are talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime... Shall we Sundance? Let's do it.
you been? Nowhere. It's a long time to be nowhere. Well, that's where I was. Duncan, if we were going to make this work, then there has to be trust. Mom's boyfriend called me a three. Who says that to somebody? That's about him. That's got nothing to do with you. How do you know? Because I know. You gotta go your own way. And you, my friend, are going your own way. This is the only place I'm happy. My doctor said not to get water on my face! Come on! You got a hell of a kid here. Way Way Back premiered at Sundance in 2013. It was written and directed by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. It stars Steve Carell, Tony Collette, Allison Janney, Anna Sophia Robb, Sam Rockwell, and Liam James. 14-year-old Duncan is an awkward teen who must spend the summer at a beach house with his mother, her emotionally abusive boyfriend Trent, and Trent's obnoxious daughter. Trent frequently belittles and bullies Duncan, so he soon begins to sneak away to a water park during the day and gets a job that will help him stay off Trent's radar. As Duncan tends to the slides and pools of the aging park, he finds a father figure and wisecracking park manager Owen at a time when he desperately needs one. So I enjoyed this movie pretty well. It's a nice kind of easy breezy watch and all the characters in the cast are really great. I like how they all interact and work together. I was hoping it would be a little bit better than I thought it would be because all the pieces were there for something great, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. Seeing Steve Carell who plays Trent, his mom, Tony Collette's boyfriend. That was weird and interesting. I didn't like seeing him being so mean, but he's also a mean sleazeball on the morning show. So I had already watched that. So I was prepared, I guess, in a way, but it was still kind of off-putting. <laughs> Tony Collette's character's name Pam. is Pam. And it was weird hearing Steve <laughs> say Pam <laughs> in this movie because there was a part where he was trying to get to come back and he was like Pam Pam <laughs> and he was yelling at her and I just had flashbacks to the office so it was funny because all I could hear was just him being like Pam 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 yeah I had high expectations for this movie I, I don't know why I would kind of been just saving it for a long time I was just like we'll get to that when the time's right and yeah baby time was right <laughs> it's summer baby <laughs> <laughs> it only took eight years yeah it's time was right it kind of let me down a little bit just because it was good. I enjoyed it. But like you said, there was something that just didn't quite click or live up to my expectations for me. I think it may have had something to do with the lead character, uh, Duncan. <laughs> Duncan. Yeah. But it might be because he was the lead of this ABC series that lasted for one season a couple of years ago that was similar to the imposter documentary yeah. about the kid who comes back and claims to be some kid who was lost kidnapped i didn't watch that but you did yeah so i just kind of had negative <laughs> connotations from him so i just did not find myself rooting i mean nearer to the end i was more on board and invested in him but just in general just something about this kid it just kind of bugged me i was rooting for him but sometimes the way that he talked kind of got on my nerves a little bit mm -hmm. i know he's awkward and he's 
he's trying to come out of his shell and it's hard whenever you have an emotionally and psychologically abusive father figure in your life so that doesn't help at all but it's just sometimes the way that he interacted with people I was kind of like can you just not I don't know yeah I mean I don't want to just say awkward kid stop being awkward yeah it's the point of the movie yeah I do think it was just the baggage from that other show (laughs) mostly it was just a lot sometimes just how he would I guess the decisions he would make sometime would just baffle me like there was a scene where he was yelling at someone in front of a large group of people when I think the conversation could have been handled different but I know he's an impulsive kid and he's feeling a lot of emotions I know there are certain developments of he sees something happen and he keeps it to himself. I grew up in a situation where my mom was dating some during my teenage years. So I know if certain things would have happened, you got to have your mom's back. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of irritated me. But it was good. I I much more preferred whenever he was hanging out with Sam Rockwell's Owen character Mm -hmm. because I really appreciated his growth there and his little community that he got into with everyone everyone at the water park because it did allow him to come out of his shell and learn that he is not worthless as Trent has made him to feel. One of the first things you hear in the movie is they're on a car ride and all the girls in the car sleep and he's just talking to Duncan and he asks Duncan to just rank himself on a scale from one to ten mm-hmm. which is inherently just cruel Yeah. but whenever Duncan he doesn't even try to give the most high score. I think he gives himself a six, I think, or an eight. I don't remember. It's something just average, because that's how he views himself. But then Trent just straight up is like, no, you're a three. And it's just so rude and uncomfortable. But Owen... He helps him. I mean, Owen has his own issues, like mm-hmm. arrested development type stuff, but he also has experiences some growth throughout the movie. So yeah, parts of the water park were fun. There's some um, typical like sexual harassment bro mm. stuff, humor. Yeah. But it's supposed to be kind of played off as like silly, like this is sort of rite of passage kind of stuff. This is what you learn. Hey, kid, you learn all the tricks, like ogling young girls in their bathing suits as they go down the slide, like making them turn and wait. So that's stuff I didn't like. I could feel that whenever we were watching. (laughs) Because they're just making light of it. And I didn't like how Owen's character was doing that to Maya Rudolph's character. He was like sexualizing her and basically just harassing her at points in front of other people and like park guests and employees. But then you kind of learn that they're closer than it appears, but still don't do that stuff in front of other people. Like even if you're in a relationship with someone, don't belittle them or sexualize them in front of your peers or employees. Yeah. Because no one's going to respect her or listen to her. So whenever she was trying to work and get things done, he would do that. And that's just the kind of stuff that happens now. I mean, it's happened forever in workplaces, but it's just like, please stop doing that. Yeah, this movie had a really weird sense of time because it it was very much structured and felt like an 80s comedy. But it was a modern setting because they had phones and... 2013. Yeah. But it was in like a small town. So I think it just felt that way because it's just a small vacation town. Mm -hmm. I think like Cape Cod maybe in Massachusetts so it's just all the weirdos come and they're kind of in their little weird vacation bubble 
Yeah, it's just even the kind of aesthetic of the movie, because what you were discussing regarding like the poolside casual sexual harassment of women, that's just straight out of an 80s comedy. But it kind of feels like that's what these writers were brought up on. So they're like, we want to recreate sort of like the meatballs type of humor. Yeah, they were brought up on it and everything, and that's what they know, and that's Mm -hmm. the point. So like teaching it to Duncan as well. So it just, the cycle goes and goes and goes. So like I said, they treat it as like a rite of passage. So it's like, you'll learn these tricks and let me show you. And then Duncan does it Mm -hmm. later. Let's just not put that in the movie. (laughs) That's what exemplifies their youth. That's what they experience. And they got to pass it on to the next generation. But it's just played off as just like boys being boys and boy humor. And like, dude, it's like really funny, right? It's hilarious, right? But it's not because it can lead to darker things. Other than that, the movie is fine. And the thing that's missing, I think, would be I wanted a bigger emotional punch, I think. And it didn't quite have it. And whenever you're talking about him yelling in front of people, I got uncomfortable as well. But then I thought maybe this is good for him because he's not being afraid of Trent anymore. And so he's just speaking his mind freely and trying to stand up for his mom. So standing up for himself. So as before, like whenever he didn't say anything because he's afraid of him and he's just kind of staying out of the way so he doesn't get into the fray. So it's kind of like growth for him, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I guess I just felt bad for his mom in that moment yeah it just forces everyone involved to face it instead of being able to be like whatever or just like trent to belittle him and yeah speaking of waiting a long time to see this this kind of makes me think of what we did basically with the kings of summer like it's kind of equal in my mind because we waited a long time to watch it and so i had it built up in my mind a bit and then whenever we saw it it was kind of a letdown but i think this is a lot better than the kings of summer hard agree yes yeah they're both summery movies (laughs) yeah i like the directors of this as people jim rash and nat faxon who also make appearances in the movie I usually like when they pop up and things, but both of their movies, both of which have premiered at Sundance, this and Downhill, kind of not quite hit the mark for me. Usually I say they're good, but I don't think they're great. There's just a little something missing. That emotional punch, man. Yeah. Even though the last couple minutes I did feel stuff. Yeah, me too. So that was nice, but I would have liked more of that. Yeah. Because even the kind of summer romance aspect of it with Duncan and Anna Sophia Rob. Yeah. I couldn't quite get invested in that either because it just, it felt like it was mostly being carried by Anna Sophia and I mean, I guess Duncan was kind of withdrawn and in his shell, but it just didn't feel real. I'm glad that they didn't play that out because it would have been weird and strange and I wouldn't have found it appealing at all. (laughs) They were both outsiders and they had a connection, but I didn't find it to be that great of a romantic connection. Yeah, I just think the intentions that these writers had in their mind is probably more than you want to believe. Yeah, and I think they were just writing typical boy stuff where it's just idolizing some unattainable girl that you can't have but at the end it's all about getting that kiss 
Yeah. That's what I think. I don't think it was just like a huge relationship thing. Yeah. But like I said at the beginning, the cast is really good. And I like Sam Rockwell's character. I like how he stuck up for Duncan and was what he needed, like a friend and also a father figure, I guess. But I don't think he was the best father figure. I think he was better as just a friend. And Alice and Janie was really good because she played Anna Sophia Robb's mom. But she was also like the weird, kooky character that she usually plays in movies. And movies like this, I guess, that made me laugh a lot. Yeah, her character kind of just made me sad. I mean, she was rude to her kids, but she made me laugh at how weird she was and, like, inappropriate. Yeah, I guess just more towards the end, just where she was seeming like a real mess and it seemed like they were trying to get to the point where it's it's not cute anymore, like how messed up she was. I think they were saying that the entire time because people were just, like, over her because she was considered extra. Yeah. So I think everyone was over her and tired of her. But the way that she was so, like, weird and blunt and had no filter made me laugh. Her interactions with her kid who... The <laughs> yeah, one her with, son. The, with the eye patch. Yeah, he with, had a lazy eye. Yeah. <laughs> Which we were really uh, concerned because... You had the eye patch on the wrong eye. Yeah, I got irritated because she tells him to wear this patch to cover the eye because she says that it freaks people out. But he came to this party or whatever and he was wearing the eye patch. And I was like, he shouldn't wear it on that eye. Whenever she said, it's because you don't use your eye patch, I thought she meant in the proper way. (laughs) But she meant to cover the eye. And I was like, that's not how you do that. You put it on the other one to strengthen the lazy one. You put it on the non-lazy one. So I got really mad at that. (laughs) Not to shield people from your grotesque eye. Yeah, because that'll just make it worse and it'll never get better. Yeah. Good parenting. Yeah. I mean, she seemed like the mom who was always, like, drunk and stuff. She seemed like the, the mom in Mean Girls a little bit who was just trying to be, like, one of the gang but was also... Like, I'm going to get buzzed and tipsy a lot. Yeah. Also dealing with her husband leaving, I think, because the kids talked about their dad being away and trying to talk to them and how she gets upset if she thinks that they're talking to him. So she had all that drama as well. Just made me sad. Yeah. All the people in this movie are pretty sad. They all have their baggage. Yeah. I guess it's just kind of like all weirdos put together, like misfits put together and figuring out things, except for Trent, who was just the worst. a jerk and needed to go. <laughs> yeah. He's just so rude. I don't like it. And just the way he would just intentionally push buttons and just be a dick. His demeanor and what he said, it reminded me more of like, I guess kind of like waspy, yuppie behavior, but also like boomer behavior where it's just like, hey, aren't you going to say good morning to me? Aren't you going to say hello? Just intentionally keep on picking and just stuff that doesn't need to be said all the time and just always on this kid's back. Yeah. But then he would also, especially when he was alone with Dunk, he would be a a different person, of course, because he was trying to put on more of a loving, kind of easy breezy attitude in front of Pam. But whenever it was just him and Duncan, he's just so vicious. Yeah, an asshole. Yeah. The kid has to like you in order to get in with the mom. And the kid's gonna, if it's a different kid and just tells the mom outright, but like you're gonna have the kid telling the mom what the guy is doing or just withdrawing from everyone and including the mom and resenting her. And she's gonna be like, what's up? 
up. So I don't understand what his logic was there. And just, you're going to get caught eventually. The mom's going to walk in whenever you're bullying this kid. And I don't get that. But also what I was saying, like the boomer stuff, it just seems like it's kind of that, I don't know, like how they grew up or something. It's like appearance is everything and you have to look a certain way to get anywhere in this world and you have to do whatever, you know? Yeah. How they're always like, you need to have a haircut for your job interview and blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. Did you go in and submit your resume face to face? Like, hell no, no. No one does that. Just those kinds of things. Yeah. Like needling someone whenever it's not necessary and just intentionally picking on them and it makes everything worse whenever they think they're like I'm helping you I'm helping you be presentable like I'm helping you be a nine people are gonna like you they think there's an objective set of goals that you should be able to meet like everyone should fit into this box yeah and no one fits into any box yeah so this movie it's very much an 80s movies through (laughs) the 2010s lens Mm -hmm. but still very much steeped in that kind of general arc but there's some very funny parts and very touching parts after knowing who was in this and like what it was about and then hearing the acclaim over the years it just did not quite live up to what I wanted it to be yeah I can agree there was one other thing that I said to you during the movie but also got under my skin and grossed me out there's a part where they talk about I don't know if this is a real thing if it is this is nasty but they talked about renting bathing suits (laughs) and like Duncan had to rent bathing suits or borrow it because he didn't pay for it or whatever but I was just like what like they would get bathing suits out of a box and just hand them out i think that's super nasty i cannot believe that they have bathing suit rentals that is so gross i'm sure some places <laughs> they do and yes it is disgusting i mean the park is old and so i guess that's just like small town old park ways but man that is nasty yeah yeah this water park also had a wave pool <laughs> i'm telling you wave pools they're they're not uncommon jessica i know they're not uncommon but they're they're pretty dangerous yeah but that's not gonna stop the people from going <laughs> yeah oh good for you and how was it what is your rating system for this one my rating system is wave pools <laughs> <laughs> okay I would give this movie three wave pulls out of five. So it's not quite a dangerous romp, but you're still going to need a tube to float in or else you might drown. Yeah, you stole my rating. It is also three wave pulls. (laughs) It's just perfectly fine. (laughs) So if anyone wants to see what they think about this film, it is currently available on digital and on Blu-ray. What's the problem there? I got a human foot. Have a what? I got a human foot. And this plum nasty got me grossed out. I'd seen the grill and ended up buying it. And I opened the grill up, and there's a foot, you know, five toes and five toenails. I decided to keep it. The Smoker Grill is now a tourist attraction. I can't believe. I mean, who is this guy? That's my leg. He lost his leg three years ago, and that's just one hurdle life has thrown at him. I've been shot, run over by a state dump truck, electrocuted. I've been through a lot. An unbelievable character, isn't he? Finders Keepers debuted at the Sundance Film Festival in 2015 in the U.S. Documentary Competition section. It is directed by Brian Carberry and Clay Tweel. Shannon Wiseman has 
a nose for a bargain, but when he bought a used grill at a North Carolina auction, the severed human foot he found among the ashes was not part of the deal. Soon, the gruesome discovery becomes the toast of the infotainment world, and the new owner spies a golden opportunity to cash in on the media frenzy. Until struggling addict and amputee John Wood recognizes his missing member and demands his own foot back. This astonishing, stranger-than-fiction tale defies definition because it uniquely traverses the quirks of a small town in the midst of a media phenomenon, while it examines manifold human paradoxes such as greed, ego, familial dysfunction, and that most elusive of all human conditions, redemption. So you've been talking about this documentary for a long time and Mm -hmm. then just asking me if we had access to it. And the answer was always, no, we do not. Mm -hmm. Until it finally popped up on Prime and you said, we're doing this. Yeah, because I checked, I saw it was available, and I said, we have to do this before it disappears again. Yes. So we finally got to watch it. And it's a really fun documentary. Mm -hmm. It's really bizarre in a really good way. I mean, you may have heard about this story like on a random blog and be like, huh, that's weird. (laughs) But I like how the filmmakers, they really go into kind of the backstory and psychology of both of these men and each kind of lay out their claim for the leg and why it would benefit them to have it (laughs) outside of just John just saying, hey, um, it's my leg so give it back Mm -hmm. but Shannon's like hey man I can make some money off of this (laughs) so I don't want to give you your leg back which I respect that (laughs) an entrepreneurial spirit but it doesn't go into too many unexpected places I would say but the background you learn about each man both at times endears you and also puts you further off to their personalities just Mm -hmm. depending on the moment because both of them are just ridiculous people at points but then there are certain things they say that you kind of sympathize with them and then they'll just kind of say something that erases it. Yeah. I enjoyed this documentary. It went into places that I didn't expect. I didn't expect it to go into the psychology of their lives and their past and like leading up to why they're acting this way and what the leg symbolizes and means to them due to their past. It's so interesting. Like Shannon being obsessed with fame and so the leg was another way to get him to where he wanted to be like famous and on TV. He said that one of his dreams as a kid was to be on TV and be famous so a weird way to get there I guess and then it didn't even really help him that much and it kind of drove a wedge in between him and his wife it didn't help his life out that much so just to like keep this leg from its owner (laughs) yeah it's so weird because he's made to be a person who will basically buy junk and flip it for a profit oh, he can buy something for a nickel and sell it for $5. Like, that's just the type of person he is, basically. Yeah. And he just wants to do that on a larger scale. He wants to get the most out of this grill and this leg because he thinks he can make some money. But <laughs> he milks it for all it's worth. And then it's like beating a dead horse. Yeah, <laughs> he milks it further than he can. He's just like squeezing and there's sands like coming out. It's like, no, there's nothing left with this man. He squeezes all of the cholesterol that he says that's oozing out of it whenever he finds it yeah. right out that leg yeah. it got all the cholesterol coming out and everything dripping off of it melting is <laughs> nasty nastiest thing i've ever seen i really love documentaries that have oddball subject matter like i was telling you i love documentaries in general i'll watch almost anything a documentary about anything but i really especially like the ones that have really weird and 
oddball, quirky subject matter. And usually, like I mentioned to you, it's in the South of yeah. the U.S. if it takes place in the U.S. Yeah. And if you haven't picked up on this yet, we've mentioned it several times, but we are in Tennessee. We are the South. So if it feels like we are making fun of any of these people, we know these people. These are people, we unfortunately. Are. <laughs> we are making fun of them. Yeah. But it's just because we're so exasperated having to be around them all the time. Yeah. I have a complicated relationship with the South, <laughs> even though I'm from here. It's uh it's a thing. Anyways, most of the weirdo docs, they take place in the South. So mm-hmm. this one is in North or South Carolina. North Carolina. And it's got some pretty interesting people. <laughs> this is kind of like right up my alley with subject matter. That's intriguing. And it also kind of reminded me of whenever that lady found a finger in her Wendy's chili. But I think it came out later that she put it there because she wanted money to sue them Heck and give yeah. money. But it was all over the news. <laughs> Everyone, they want to make a quick buck. But Wendy's still came out on top. They're still going. People are still getting that chili, including me. <laughs> yeah. If I ever happen to go by Wendy's, you're just like, uh, hey, uh, give me a cup of that chili. Yeah. Even though I know it's just like the burger scraps that they <laughs> scrape off the grill into the chili. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll get you your chili. It's so tasty, too. I don't even like thinking about chili when I'm thinking about this old nasty leg. Yeah, and they show it, too. Yeah, I like that they tease it for a while though because they know everyone wants to see the leg and this guy he starts off kind of small scale he's just like all right you can pay like a dollar or three dollars to look at the grill where the leg was until he can like try to get the leg back but just he knows everyone wants to see that leg and then you just finally see and you're like oh okay it looked different than i expected it to yeah it was more like mummified yeah it wasn't more fresh like whenever he saw it or cholesterol's dripping out of it. Yeah. I like how it goes into all these weird places of how John convinced certain people to give him back his leg and all of kind of the under the table shady people that he would meet just like, yeah, I'll do that. (laughs) Yeah. And then it also leads to some other colorful characters like a taxidermist. Is that what she is? No. She preserves bones so that you can put the skeletons together and put them on display. She'll like find random animals and carcasses and like strip them of all the skin and stuff and clean the bones and put them together yeah i don't i don't know what we would call her yeah i'm not sure i don't remember either because taxidermists they're like stuffing animals and everything and she deals with their bones yeah so i don't know but she's also a pretty interesting character herself Mm -hmm. who would have thought that so much human drama could be wrapped up in one man's amputated leg yeah like father issues and all kinds of stuff yeah some of the issues that go into with john John's life. Yes, he lost it in a plane crash where his father also died. Mm -hmm. But then there's also everything that stemmed from that and his addiction issues and his relationship with his mother and how his mother felt about their father. And (laughs) yeah, just stuff that I never thought that I would be getting in this doc. It was weird watching this so soon after close to us, relatively close to us, there was a plane crash. Oh, yeah. So I was thinking about that, the cult lady Mm -hmm. and her 
plane crash. Yeah. And just whenever they were describing the plane crash, I just it kind of conjured up memories of that and how that's still a whole thing that's going on right now. I've forgotten about that because so much wild stuff happens every day. I just lose track. Yeah. The stuff with Shannon, there's a lot about him that mm. I was very amused, but also very put off by whenever his girlfriend was explaining how they met and just kind of, I don't understand what she saw in him, Me but either. also I know that's the exact type of thing that like happens in small towns. Yes. Just like good old boy dude just walking up to a lady and just being like, you interested? I think you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's just like, well, he made me laugh, so we're married. Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the whole movie, she just looked so sad, and she looked so over all of his stuff whenever he would talk, and then the things that he was trying to do to get on TV and get famous. Mm-hmm. She just seems so over it and very sad, and she even says, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have any part in this anymore. Yeah, as you mentioned, we've been watching a lot of documentaries lately where it's just, there's a put-upon woman who's just <laughs> at the brink. Yeah. I, there's another documentary. I'm not sure if we'll talk about it someday on the podcast, but... I we probably could. Okay. If anyone wants to prepare in advance, it's called Some Kind of Heaven. Yeah. So look out for that. It's on Hulu. But these poor women. They just feel like they have to stay because they're like, well, I think this is the best that I can do and get. I don't think there's anything better out there that I'm going to get. So. Yeah, because their husbands, Shannon, he's sucking up all the ox- all the attention because that's what he wants. Yeah. But attention the- hog. Yeah. I like just the random showdown in the Dollar General parking lot that they show of just him just staring John down. It's just kind of like a Old West standoff. <laughs> it's very amusing. It reminds me of that gif. I think it's part of the good, the bad, and the ugly where they have them all like standing off and looking at each other and yeah. then they insert that cat with the crazy eyes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it cuts to the cat yeah. and it's like... <laughs> Give him the lazy eye. I think if that crazy-eyed cat would have been inserted <laughs> in that Leone classic, I think it would be even more well-respected than it is today. <laughs> they yeah. could have inserted it in this doc. Yes. But Shannon, he has a lot of moments. And there are moments where you know he's doing stuff for the camera <laughs> because he's a camera hog and loves the... Loves the spotlight. Yeah. But then there are moments where the directors do catch him kind of just spiraling and not really... Really, I think he would want them to clean it up in the edit room, yeah. but there's like the whole thing with the winners winning win yeah. rant, which... That was great. Yeah. And you're just like, where is he going with this? Can he pull out of this? Not really, but it's very funny. And just sometimes both Shannon and John, whenever they'll say something and then they'll kind of like sit there and they'll have like this dead look on their face. Like it'll go yeah. into like this thousand yard, yard stare. <laughs> And it's like, they probably think that it's cutting or whatever, and they'll cut that out, but it's them just awkwardly sitting there like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because everyone is kind of awkward looking once they're done making their point, so they're just like, all right, I'm good. But the directors (laughs) of this movie, they're very sly, and they're just like, they let it linger, and just, they let that artifice drop. There's one part where... I, I really love where uh, Shannon's wife is talking in the kitchen and she's doing oh. like a confessional. 
and she's talking about Shannon being ridiculous and how she's thought about divorce or whatever. And then suddenly you hear Shannon in the background say like, well, it's because like he's trying to be like defend himself. And then it goes and he's in this dark room on the couch, just sitting there. And then he's just like yelling and talking and he looks sad after he says his point, but he's just in this dark room listening to them. He's just been listening to his wife's quote unquote confession. Yeah. Like- whatever you think that she's alone. Cause it, it's always, they're alone talking, but nope, he's always got to be in there and he butts in. I'm sure she thought it would just be easier than just afterwards him being like, what did you say? Tell me exactly what you said. Probably. Cause she's like, Jesus, Shannon, fine. I'll let you sit in there. Just don't say anything. I think it's so funny that they ruin like the mystique and the magic and they pan over. He's sitting alone in a dark room. He doesn't want to miss any of those nuggets of gold. He's lingering in the shadows, just waiting for his chance to butt in and just be in the in the shot again. Because you know she's going to hear an earful that night. Like, yeah, she, for sure. He's like, why did you say this? Or do you really think that? Yeah. And then there are also points where it shows Shannon kind of getting the opportunities that he has always dreamed of and how that in reality works out with him. It's very interesting to uh, see because he can't really control how people see it because he wants to be taken seriously so badly yeah but he is not the type of person who really gets taken seriously a lot because he's so outlandish and such a distinct personality i didn't get how he didn't understand how reality tv works yeah no one's being 100 percent real just like this is me take it or leave it the producer would be like no we're gonna leave it yeah because gonna... we need you to do this yeah they're gonna we're gonna coach you or we're gonna edit stuff So this movie, it goes in a lot of interesting and fun places. It's a very quick documentary. It's 82 minutes. So you kind of get in, get a really interesting story, and it doesn't keep you too long. It just kind of keeps it all killer, no filler. (laughs) Yeah. We've been watching a lot of shorter documentaries lately, which is interesting. I don't mind. If it fits the narrative, let's get in and get out. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Yeah, that's fine with me, too, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, because I know everyone's had this complaint, but like, it's a documentary series, but we're watching The Vow, and Mm. it's taken us forever to get through it, because I'm just like... We'll get to this next episode in like two weeks. I don't know. It's Yeah, I never had the desire to watch it as much because it's too long. And mostly I just want to get through it because I want to be done with it and be to the part that's more interesting. They're just dragging it out. Tighten it up here. Make it toy. Cults are super interesting and crazy and I like watching things on them. But man, this is way too drug out. So I'm glad that these filmmakers, they knew what they had. They knew what they wanted to get across and they made it very entertaining from beginning to end. It's one of the better documentaries we've seen in a while. My girl rocks, my girl is not rock. What is that rating system? I would say my rating system is camera ready haircuts. <laughs> so I would get four and a half camera ready haircuts. I don't know what happened on that last one. It I don't know, looking a little messed up, but four of them, they're looking fine. I think I would get four camera ready haircuts out of five. As we said, if you would like to watch this movie, it is available now on Prime Video as of this recording. Tell me something, just for me. First time I saw you, Jed tried wrapping his arm around you. (laughs) It was a good first impression. Caitlin was cute, airy, hardly a reason to pop like a zit. What happened? Caitlin exploded. What? Like a bomb? No, like a 
balloon. What? Will I get these back? Do you want these back? And the hell are they gonna let us out of here? When they know it's not gonna happen again. Then what's gonna happen again? It happened again a lot. Spontaneous was released in 2020. It is based on the novel by Aaron Starmer and adapted for the screen by Brian Duffield. It was directed by Brian Duffield. It stars Katherine Langford, Charlie Plummer, Haley Law, Yvonne Orji, Rob Hewell, and Piper Parabo. When students in their high school inexplicably start to explode, seniors Mara and Dylan struggle to survive in a world where each moment may be their last. As an unexpected romance blossoms between them, they soon discover that when tomorrow is no longer promised, they can finally start living for today. Strangely, this movie, it has like an uplifting feeling and part of it for having such darker themes and scenarios with kids literally exploding all over the place. Yeah. Like the themes, it's parallel to mass shootings in schools and just kids being afraid all the time and no one's doing anything to help them. So there's this whole thing in the movie about if they could just graduate, if they could just graduate and get out. So just getting to a safer place. I mean, I think that there are parallels yeah. with all the school shootings going on. You just blew my mind. I don't know how I did not make that connection, <laughs> but I'm just like, yep, that's perfect. Yes. Because they even say, like, what's the government going to do? They're not helping us. No one's helping us. Mm -hmm. You're not doing anything. So no one's doing anything. And all these kids are afraid to go to school. And sometimes they go to school thinking, like, this might be the day I could get shot. So even with all of that, there's uplifting things, just kind of like carpe diem stuff and live for the day. And it could be your last moment, but just make life what you want it, basically. Make it spectacular. Mm Mm-hmm. There's also, like, things about depression and suicide. Not knowing if things will get better, but just kind of hold on. Things can be dark in some moments of your life, but if you can get through it and have the right people to support you and help you. Yeah, this movie, man, I'm still... I have a bad habit of just sometimes taking movies at face value, and then as I delve into it a little bit more, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is it. Mm-hmm. This movie, I was really excited about it because I love a interesting take on a teen romance. And it's very dark, Mm -hmm. but like intentionally so because of the subject matter. But I like how it doesn't really let anyone off the hook. There's no sense of anyone in particular is especially safe. And it leads you to have like some real tension throughout. It's mostly moments of like dark levity throughout. It's interesting, Catherine Langford, she's tied to a lot of darker projects between this and 13 Reasons Why, but I really like her, and I thought she did a really good job in this role as kind of a sarcastic teen. She's taking it seriously, but she doesn't want to dwell on it. She's not obsessive over it. Yeah, I think it's the whole thing where teens already being jaded midlife crisis people. I also think it's kind of like the whole thing with people just getting desensitized to all this stuff like Mm -hmm. shootings and everything and you're just kind of like it's another day (laughs) yeah it's like oh someone else exploded oh who was it this time yeah will it happen again well of course it's gonna happen again it's interesting how this it works within the framework of a typical teen romance and like you said the living for today charlie Plummer's dylan character how he's inspired by the sudden death of some of these people it's just like oh i need to tell people how i feel i need to tell mara that i really like her and just not be afraid to put yourself out there Mm -hmm. because apparently they both kind of had a thing for one another at certain points they both at least thought about it just like oh i think this person's really 
cool, but they each had their own reasons for not thinking about going forward, and Dylan's thinking, oh, it's our senior year of high school, why would I even go down this path and everything? It's just like, no, maybe something good can come out of this. Don't just put your life on hold because you're waiting for your real life to begin. As you said, there's always that undercurrent of dread of just, are either of these people, are they going to explode? Is her best friend, who she's super close with, is she going to explode? Is it going to suddenly stop? It's just that balance. It's very intriguing. Yeah, I liked how it's kind of a, a nice change of pace where since he decided to just go for things, it was all just straightforward and he was just like, hey, I like you. It just immediately began and it just kind of had to build off of that. Like she had to figure out what she was feeling and get to know him. Mm-hmm. So just immediately they're just like, we're going to get to know each other, but under the pretenses that it's already established that I like you mm-hmm. more than a friend. There's no games. It's just like, it's there. It's interesting how it starts with she receives a message from someone and she's not quite sure who it is. And you're like, oh, is it going to be drawn out? Who's this person that's texting her? Whereas the next scene, he's like, that was me. I'm that person. She's like, I'm uh, kind of tripping right now, but I'm, I'm into this. All right. <laughs> yeah. With the dread and everything, mm-hmm. I was very stressed out during most of the movie because like you said, I was worried for pretty much all of the kids. You don't want any of them to explode. Even the more like doofus characters. Yeah. <laughs> they do a good job at having you get connected to them and care for them. I mean, I was mostly distressed for Dylan, Mara, and her friend Tess. I was the most stressed out about them, but I didn't want any of them to explode. And so whenever it just starts happening spontaneously, it really ratchets up the tension. Freaked me out. Yeah, there comes a part where people are afraid of them, basically, because they don't understand what's going on. No one understands what's going on, but they are shuttled out to a facility where they're just like, we're gonna try to figure out what's going on here, and we'll try to keep you safe and everything, but it just kind of shows how isolating being a a teenager can be and how no one really wants to reckon with the problems that they're facing. It seems like most of the time the kids, the teens, have to take matters into their own hands if they want to make a difference or have anything done for them. The parents and the kids are screaming for it basically and yelling at them like, what are you doing? Why aren't you helping us? And it's just like in today's world, they're screaming every day and no one's listening. I like how in this world, since it's kind of like uncharted territory with humans literally exploding, even the adults don't really act like normal adults. All of their guards are down and like there's a a moment where Mara is interacting with someone's mom and it's a really sad, sad moment. But just the way that her mom talks to Mara, it's not something that I would expect an adult to do, just kind of go and get on her level yeah, and just admit that she's afraid and she doesn't know what she's doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's really scared too, sitting in the dirt on her level. Yeah, there are a lot of good interactions with adults in this movie. There are also some frustrating ones, but Mm -hmm. the scene you just mentioned, as well as uh, whenever Mara is talking to this agent, the Yvonne Orji character, Mm -hmm. who basically is saying, yeah, I need help because I don't know what's going on here. And do you kids, do you know what's going on? Can you help me? I, I want to protect you, but we don't know what's going on. They talk to each other very plainly and very honestly and I enjoyed their interaction. You can tell that this woman actually 
actually does care for Mara and she wants to help her and she feels I think a lot of pressure on herself also to help protect these kids and she just doesn't know how and it's not a huge part of the movie but I think whenever she does show up it's very impactful yeah I think that's what I like about the movie like I said it's just like a breath of fresh air because no one's playing games or anything it's all straightforward Mm -hmm. and people are just being honest because they don't know what else to do they don't have time or the bandwidth to put up these guards and put on these masks and play games Mm -hmm. so I like that a lot yeah even whenever they're in this facility and the government they're trying to have a meeting with the kids and like this is what we're trying to do and basically the kids are calling them out and be like you're not really doing anything this is all double speak and you're trying to save face and say you're doing more than you are but you're not actually helping us you need to do something to help us yeah this sounds very intense which it can be but then there are also just the typical teen romance stuff there are a lot of moments between dylan and mara that i really like they're just very nice and i've said it before but i'm a sucker for a teen romance i really like their chemistry they're very yeah easygoing and nice together they have a lot of sweet moments Mm -hmm. yeah i'm a person who will read ya fiction for the rest of my life because I love it and I will watch teen shows and teen movies I don't care yeah there are aspects of this movie that you might say are more uh, overly not millennial but like cutesy yeah. kind of uh, like these people are saying stuff wiser than yeah. you think but I think that's also just kind of the era kids are getting smarter and more mature at a younger age and yeah. especially whenever Mara is talking with Tess like their dynamic like you said they're very jaded but they're also very blunt I really love their friendship because it feels very genuine and just earned. Yeah, I really love their friendship as well. Their friendship is kind of my favorite relationship in the movie just because there's no stupid things about like boys getting in the way or anything. Even whenever Mara is hanging out with Dylan and basically dating him and everything, Tess, she understands and they still hang out and talk the same way and there's nothing like just dumb stuff. And I think it's just because they don't have time for that stuff because they could die and it doesn't matter. Yeah, thankfully there's nothing like, hey, you don't, make time for me anymore or anything like you're not the same since you started dating him it's just like my best friend she has a boyfriend now but then also we get to hang out some and it's all good yeah I love that they're like ride or die <laughs> yeah because I think whenever you have like a really good friendship like that you have an understanding between each other and if you have a problem you'll just Say mention it, it. you're yeah. not gonna let it fester and just yeah because you're more secure in the relationship you're not insecure yeah I think that's probably we're saying this is a breath of fresh air i think that's one of the most refreshing it's like none of these kids seem like super insecure they seem very uh well established in their bodies yeah which isn't the most realistic but i guess just with the heightened situation just they don't know if they're gonna make it out of high school alive they don't have time to be thinking about being a dork or not fitting in or their bodies or mm-hmm. it has become a recurring theme it seems like on this show there were moments i got very excited based on the music that was playing in the movie <laughs> and I was once again thrilled this time to hear one of my favorite Wolf Parade songs <laughs> during a montage. I've loved that song since I was in high school. I was very glad to hear that pop up on the soundtrack and it just endeared me to the movie even more. I like whenever indie movies and teen movies and everything have really good soundtracks, which they usually do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
As much as I really did enjoy this movie, I can't say that it didn't slightly let me down. It's very impactful in many regards, but it just came up slightly less than what I wanted it to be. I guess it's just kind of the sky-high expectations of just wanting something nice, and I just wanted to feel good, and I did in some respects, but it didn't completely get me to the place that I was hoping it would. Yeah, I kind of feel the same, except I didn't build my expectations to be super high. I just lowered them a lot Mm -hmm. and I guess it kind of met them yeah it made me feel really sad but also like I said it's uplifting strangely enough Yeah, I'm not sure what could have been changed to really make it better for me. Maybe a little funnier. I understand that it's not an inherently funny concept because you're losing people constantly. But there are some things that really make me laugh. Mm -hmm. But I guess just a little bit better balance between the comedy and kind of the more poignant moments. It's a very good movie. It wasn't like, oh my god, this is going to be one that I return to all the time. It's just like, yeah, I might watch it a couple more times. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. What was your rating system for this? Sorry, I'm going to go obvious again. My rating system is blood splatters. Nice. I'm going to say three and a half blood splatters out of five because it is good, but not amazing. But I do think that everyone should watch it. Yes. What is your rating system? I'm going to go with shrooms. (laughs) And I don't know, I struggle between three and a half and four, but four just seems maybe slightly too strong. So I'm going to take three and a half shrooms <laughs> and you're going to have to find me wandering somewhere in the field. You're going to have a good trip. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see how you feel about this film, it is currently available on digital, on Hulu, and on Paramount+. Plus. It's time for another Top 5 Countdown. And today we're doing our Top 5 Tony Collette performances. So starting with me, my number 5 is her performance in The Sixth Sense. Because that movie, it is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I will say it's probably Shyamalan's best for me. And her performance is really good. It's one of the things that I really remember, especially a specific scene where they're in the car and he sees the lady on the bike. Yeah. And then how he's talking about her mom saying things to him. Just the way that she does everything. It's really good. Haunting. Yeah. Her only Oscar nomination. Oh, wow. Yeah. For a supporting role. That's interesting because, like many have said, I'm not going to watch this movie, but she probably should have been nominated for Hereditary and then The Sixth Sense is a horror movie. So that's weird. Yeah. But Sixth Sense was an even bigger box office hit and it's more acceptable horror. It's not like... This will scar you for the rest of your lifetime for. Man, she needs more Oscar noms. She does. Because this list, I'm not going to lie, it was tough to whittle down. I mm-hmm. And I'm trying to be genuine to myself while not trying just to avoid what I think you're going to pick. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's a lot of good stuff in her career. And we're not even dealing with her TV stuff, which that's where some of the real choice stuff is. Yeah, I had trouble whittling some things down. Yeah. 
in that spirit, my number five is a movie that you have not seen yet, but I know you will be able to see now that I've seen it. And that is her performance in Krampus. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun role and it's a fun movie. That movie was better than I thought it was going to be. It's a very just kind of like heightened, silly horror movie. It has enough fun in there to supplement the more creepy stuff that I think would make you uneasy and haunt your dreams. It's not nightmare fuel like some of her other roles, but she's fun in the movie. I always like a heightened Tony Collette, as you'll see from my list. <laughs> if we haven't established that, I don't really watch horror movies. I love uh, suspense, thriller, psychological thrillers, and creepy stuff. I love being creeped out where you get kind of like, ooh, that's creepy. But like really disturbing things, I cannot watch, especially with supernatural stuff and like demons and everything. Yeah, I can get you to watch some horror movies, just no demons. I know that's like a base. Mm -hmm. My number four is her performance in About a Boy. I used to watch that movie quite a bit. I've seen it several times because it would just be on the movie channels and I would just watch it. And she was really good in it. The whole cast was really good. I love that movie, but it was a good performance. That's another one where it's probably been a good 15 years since I've seen that movie, so I I couldn't count it amongst mine. Mm-hmm. But I've been really wanting to rewatch it. My number four is Hearts Be Loud, another Sundance movie. Mm-hmm. She's been in a lot of great Sundance movies. Yeah. <laughs> I think three of my movies are Sundance movies. I had trouble with that one, whittling it down, I mean. So. Yeah. I love Hearts Be Loud, and she's very good in it. She doesn't play the largest role, but she plays a very important role. Mm-hmm. And her relationship with Nick Offerman is very nice. My number three is her performance in Connie and Carla. Okay, before you continue, I want to say, I was afraid we were going to have a lot of overlap, and luckily we are not. We are a very completely different list. Yeah, I know that not everyone loves this movie, but I love this movie, and she's great in it. So, so is Nia. So, it's a great movie and a great performance. I remember we watched that movie together closer when we first started dating. Mm-hmm. So that was about 10 years ago when we watched this movie. Mm-hmm. But I remember enjoying it. I think I thought it was going to be trash because <laughs> I never heard anything really good about it until I met you. Yeah. But now, like, I hear uh, more people on Twitter also just saying, like, no, that movie's good. It is really good. It has a lot of heart. And I enjoyed it when I saw it. <laughs> so I respect that it's in your top five. Nice. My number three is her recent performance in Knives Out. Mm -hmm. She plays a ridiculously fun role in that, and that's a stacked ensemble, but she shines bright amongst them. (laughs) Like a diamond. (laughs) Like I said, I love a heightened Toni Collette, and she is definitely that in that movie. Yeah. My number two is In Her Shoes. Mm -hmm. I love that movie so 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 much and everyone who stars in it is absolutely great but her performance tony she's exceptional that performance in the movie it really speaks to my soul and it makes me cry and i love it that's such a lovely movie i i really enjoy it yes i think it's very underappreciated i remember being a a young teenager just sitting in a movie theater alone watching in her shoes and i'm like this is a good time this is great (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, I walked in on you watching that, I think, last week, Mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, Jessica's getting in it right now. She's wanting to feel those feelings. And I did. 
My number two is one of my favorite movies that we saw at Sundance 2020, and that is the recently released Dream Horse, Mm -hmm. because watching Toni Collette put on a Welsh accent, (laughs) it was lovely. I loved it so much. She's playing a woman who she's so sad and like unfulfilled at the beginning of her life. And just to see her find meaning just through buying this horse and seeing this community, everyone kind of rousted out of their humdrum lives and just have a purpose and finding new things to experience in their lives. It's so wonderful. And she's so good in it. She just plays that character perfectly. My number one is Dream Horse. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I'll just continue this. Uh, I think that she is pretty much the best thing about the movie, probably. But the whole cast is really great. She embodies the role so well, and she really puts herself in everything that she does. It's nice to watch, and it's really believable, and you really feel for the character. And the movie is so great. It's really lovely. So that's my favorite performance thus far. Yeah, whenever it comes to digital, hopefully Blu-ray, I'm going to be so mad if it doesn't. (laughs) Everyone needs to watch it. It is such a great film. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think you probably know my number one. I do. Okay. But <laughs> I figured it would be this. My number one <laughs> is also Sundance, and it is her terrifying role in Hereditary. <laughs> that gave me nightmares with you just telling me about it. Yes. She is so good. <laughs> That movie, it just sticks with you. And her performance especially, she goes through so much in that film. And both just on an emotional level and a physical level, she should have at the bare minimum gotten a nomination that year because Mm -hmm. she put everything into that performance. Ari Aster, man, he knows how to... Yeah, freak you out. (laughs) And I love that he has such strong roles for women. Mm -hmm. Like between that and Florence and Midsummer, (laughs) Keep it up, bro. I love it. Yeah. I look forward to see what he does. I might not watch the next one. We'll have to see, but... (laughs) Well, I've read that... I won't go too far afield, but I read that he's interested in exploring other genres. I Mm -hmm. think he's kind of like, I've dominated the horror. (laughs) Let's let's see what I can do. I think maybe like sci-fi or Western. Who knows? Let's see what he does. I have some honorable mentions. All right. That have already been mentioned. (laughs) Honorably mention them to me, please. My honorable mentions are Miss You Already, the one that she started with Drew Barrymore. Yes. One of my favorite favorites. She was really great in that movie. So I struggled, Mm -hmm. like, not putting it on my list. That performance was a lot. (laughs) She was good. Hearts Beat Loud, because she was great in that. Muriel's Wedding, because she was very charming in that movie. I liked her in the movie, but her character, she kind of frustrated (laughs) me, so I... I couldn't. Yeah, like her character was frustrating, but I found her to be charming in a way. Yeah. She fit the movie perfectly. It was a fun performance. Yeah. It's something that you don't see much anymore, I guess, from her because she's doing all these like intense, amazing roles. Yeah, she's kind of uh, goofy. Yeah. And Little Miss Sunshine. Another movie I haven't seen probably in like 13 years, and I've been wanting to rewatch it. I think we should soon so we can talk For about sure. it For on sure. the podcast. <laughs> I'll just name a few more that haven't been mentioned yet. So I echo pretty much everything that Jessica said. I will also add she was very good in Enough Said. 
mm-hmm. where I believe she got to use her real accent. I that was so. the one. So yeah. that was fun. We recently watched Please Stand By, and I really enjoyed her in that. And I also really liked her, and I think this was battling Krampus for my fifth position, but I liked her in Towelhead, but just because of her relationship with the young girl in that, and mm-hmm. it was such a touching role. I just really felt for that character, because she was trying to be so protective. Yeah. Tony, you're one of our best. Love Keep you, Tony. Love you. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> Tony, she's great! <laughs> for joining us for this episode of home dance film festival join us again next week when we will be discussing 2013's fruitvale station starring michael b jordan melanie diaz and octavia spencer and 2016's the fourth starring andre highland plus a wild card that you'll have to wait to hear about for those who want to prepare at home fruitvale station is currently available on netflix and on blu-ray and the fourth is available on peacock or on blu-ray if you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod leave a rating or review if you feel like it it helps us out that would be great you can follow me on twitter and instagram at dylan gonzalez too you can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on geekvibesnation.com and you can follow me on twitter at jessica narrates you can also find me contributing to geekvibesnation.com we are proud to be a part of the geek vibes nation podcasting network original music for the show is provided by andrew carroll who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at The Art of Ben Belcher. I've been Dylan. And I've been Jessica. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your leg is? Bye! Bye.